Hey everybody, thanks for listening to another episode of the TMD Podcast. This is the bi-weekly show where we talk about three critically acclaimed films that we've never seen before, voted and chosen by you guys, our Instagram followers, at those movie dudes. So go to our stories right now, at those movie dudes, and you can help decide what movies we talk about for the following episode. If that sounds like fun for you and you want to help kind of have a say in what films we talk about and discuss, go to our Instagram stories right now. There's a poll that is live and you can help decide what films we talk about for the following episode. We announced the films at the end of this podcast, so stay tuned for that. And then make sure you just go to our stories and vote. It's that easy. If you could erase one film in existence, what would that be? Right, for me, it would probably be Blue Jasmine, because I didn't hate Kate Planchette before that movie, and I don't think that I should hate her as an actress, because she is extremely talented. But that film put such a sour taste in my mouth that... Um, I can't help but hate on her, even though she's very talented. So, That's all right, Blue yeah. Jasmine. You can get rid of Woody Allen. All right. Yeah, Maybe. I think he. Yeah. Okay. If I was to get rid of any movie, gosh, I Obsession. would. What no. makes Flanagan turn into a great director? No. It did help exactly. him create some great stuff. So, yeah. Like, if, if I were to get rid of Absentia, who knows what butterfly effect would have affected his career right there. I would say delete delete it chapter two and redo it. Really? really? Why? I yeah, was, because... I you liked that movie. Well, no, like, I still love it in the way that I grew up with it, but it is so flawed, and they could have done so much better that I was just so disappointed when I saw it. I was like... No, they went the whole wussy route. Mainstream? It just, it made Do you think mad. they should have gotten a less mainstream cast with that movie? Would that have been maybe better for you? Yeah, I yeah. think so. Because um, it was J- basically James McAvoy being James McAvoy. Jessica Chastain um, being Jessica Chastain. And yeah, I feel yeah. you there. Um, That's a good pick, yeah. Like, it, was, it was disappointing. I remember seeing it in theaters but, and not having the same like feeling I had when we saw the yeah. first. First one, we all were like... This is fun. This is this is yeah. great. Energy was high. But maybe not delete com- essentially, but maybe re- redo. Definitely a movie I have not watched again and probably won't, but um yeah. But Spencer, what uh what film would you get rid of? The film that I would get rid of is a film that I've never even seen. I just want to stop joking about it, but it's Oogie Loves the Big Balloon Adventure. It's haunted me for 10 years ever since I saw the first poster and then it released yeah. in theaters and like was a huge box office bomb and like they had like the people dress up as Oogie Loves and go to like the theater of like three people and try to like dance for them and they were like oh, what the fuck horrifying. are you guys doing? <laughs> like they were just trying to like have fun with the release and it was just a disaster and um, I've never seen it. It could be great. I know Carrie Eloise is in it, but um, yeah, I'm just... Ooh. Oogie loves the big balloon adventure. I just never want to hear about that movie again. Um, but yeah, on that note, welcome back to another episode of Those Movie Dudes Podcast. It's the show where the three of us narrow down three films, to, with a little help from you guys, three critically acclaimed films that we've never seen before. If you want to help decide what we watch and what we pick, make sure you go to our stories. There's going to be one this weekend, and you can help decide on what films we're going to be watching for the next podcast. But you guys picked last couple of weeks, and here are the films that we watched for this episode. John, which one won the poll for you? Well, we had two, I would say, mainstream juggernauts that are pretty well regarded in cinema. Um, 
It is the 1978 Superman going against Karate Kid and Superman just barely edged it out. So we went ahead and checked that one out for me. Karate Kid will definitely have to make another appearance because I have I have to watch it at some point. It's it's one yeah. of those. It'll have watches. to be a, at least four episodes till it comes back, but we will see. Possibly, it's one of those ones that my family threatens to disown me if I ever watch it. Because <laughs> so, right. there's so many references to it just in the world that's like, oh, you haven't seen Karate Kid? Well, fuck you. Well, fuck and that you. was Cobra Kai and all that. But anyways, um, but <laughs> yeah. Superman, I'd argue, off. is equally iconic, if not more. Nate, yes. what, the, what was the poll that you put out for them to vote on? Well, I put out a little film called Mildred Pierce, starring Joan Crawford, which sadly got dismantled by the film <laughs> Wings of Desire, um, which did win by director Vim Vendors. We talked about Paris, Texas over on Collector's Corner. Now we're transferring him over to here. Um, and I'm excited to talk about it. Uh, and the poll that I put out for you guys to vote on was Margaret versus Angel Heart. I just took a brick and I hucked it as far as I could. And it landed on these two films. Uh, just kind of random picks. But uh, Margaret was the winner. So um, I, it is sure a film that I had heard Anna about. Anna Paquin right in the face? Sorry. It hit Alice in Janney or something. But um, anyways. <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Nate, you messaged us Spoiler. last week, and you were like, "Can I, can I ask, or can I request the order?" And Margaret was the first one, so um, I'm going to honor your request, and we're going to be talking about Margaret. I know you feel a sense of responsibility about what happened, but you can't not do your homework, and you can't throw away your scholarship because of it. The bus driver probably has a family to support. Do you remember me from the bus accident? It's a tragedy. You cannot bring her back. I'm talking about telling the accident investigators what really happened. But you already talked to them. I know that, but I lied. So you're going to go home, you're going to do your homework, and I'm going to lose my job. And who's going to take care of my family? You? Uh, so Margaret is directed by Kenneth Lonergan. He's the guy responsible for Manchester by the Sea. It's a pretty depressing film if you haven't Ooh. seen that one, but it got a bunch of I have Oscars. Not, but good. It is a good film. Um, but this one stars Anna Paquin, Matt Damon, Matthew Broderick, Mark Ruffalo, Eden Ruffles on a Buffalo. Um, the plot. <laughs> it's a Long young way to say that. <laughs> the plot it's it's about a young woman who witnesses a bus accident and is caught up in the aftermath where the question of whether or not it was intentional affects many people's lives rotten tomatoes it's got a 74 percent audience a little divided it's got a 48 percent uh imdb it's got a 6.5 and letterbox a 3.8 it's actually being um said that there's an extended edition believe it or not there's an extended edition i saw the that. The theatrical cut is two hours and 29 minutes. This is the movie that we are all going to be talking about. That is the film that we all watched that it's on HBO Max. But, however, if you go like a little bit below HBO Max and see like extras, there is something called Margaret the Extended Edition, which I've heard is a phenomenal masterpiece version that was edited by Martin Scorsese and Thelma Schoonmaker. So that does exist, and apparently it's amazing. However, we are talking about the theatrical cut. John, oh you man! Recently, okay. just watched this film. What were your thoughts on this, this Margaret? I, so I watched this probably around nine thirty, and it went to around eleven forty-five last night. So I went to bed with this film festering in my mind, but I really didn't know what I was getting into with this film. I haven't seen very much Anna Paquin other than playing like Rogue in X Men, and she's fine, but I've never seen her in a lead role. And come to find out, I don't think she can carry a movie. 
Um, I <laughs> think that this film had an interesting concept, I guess, an interesting story that it was kind of alluding to, and then just becomes very disjointed and discombobulated with a bunch of scenes and messages that don't really end up having any relevance. I think it was trying to be smarter than it actually was, and the film ended up kind of just pissing me off sometimes, so okay. I am excited to get into the discussion i will try to think of the positives but for the most part me my mother and my father were very annoyed by this movie <laughs> so fair enough yes um it hmm. okay yeah makes sense i think that was yeah. uh, the intent from the filmmaker um so nate yeah margaret did you have similar reactions to jonathan i i, I think yeah okay. oh yeah okay a few <laughs> um <laughs> thank god probably probably even more extreme like this this is how did this man win an oscar that's my first i i'm sorry how did he win an oscar who kind of the writer well okay well first of all you haven't seen manchester by the sea so watch that film first because it's he didn't make anything in between either which is so interesting because he made this movie in 2011 and then spent what seven years making a masterpiece so and before that too, I think his his first film was um, some another film with uh, Mark Ruffalo. With, it was in like two thousand or two thousand one, and then Margaret, which was shot in two thousand five, but released in two thousand eleven. It had some like huge legal lawsuit hell, post production hell. So I think that's why okay. this movie feels so clunky. It, it's it, and it's because like it got said, fucked with and tinkered with and and studio that's mandated exactly the I problem. guess. But yeah, exactly like, the problem. Yeah, this movie is just it's all over the place. And there's I I get what he was going for, and I think there is probably a fantastic movie here, but it's just her character Anna Paquin. While I disagree with you, John, that she can't carry a movie, I do think her performance is is well is is good. Her character mm-hmm. though is just so infuriating. Anytime she just starts yelling and screaming and like kicking and throwing temper tantrums to get her way, I'm just like, I get that she's going through trauma, but how in the world is like, are we supposed to like her character? It's just, it was brutal. Yeah, and it doesn't, it doesn't really change. Like she doesn't learn anything or take any responsibility. She really doesn't because it's half her fault. Like it really, really is. And she genuinely never takes responsibility other than trying to ruin the guy's life. Who, yeah, it's his fault, but. Like, you know, she didn't take any legal responsibilities. She might have said, yeah, I might be responsible for this, but that was pretty much it. And so it bothered me quite a bit. <laughs> um, Nate, what about you? Do you have anything positive to say about the movie? <laughs> no. Okay. Absolutely not. No. Um, That's just kind of why I've been kept quiet. I was so let down. And it makes sense the way the movie looked, because it looked like the movie was shot in like the late 90s, early 2000s. I was like, this came out in 2011? Like, it looks awful. And I just, Anna Paquin, you said infuriating. She was just, oh, unbearable. I couldn't deal with it. I was like, this isn't a character. This is just, it felt like an over-the-top audition. Yeah. I was like, come on, it's just, and you don't, I didn't care about anyone. <laughs> like, the only one that I somewhat cared about was the mom, and she was basically irrelevant. <laughs> you know who I cared not, about and... was Alice and Janney. <laughs> yeah, the, the only fact character. that she was in that for, yeah, she was, ugh. And Matt Damon, what was that? 
that was that came out of nowhere and i was like oh they're not gonna do that oh they did yeah so any sympathy that i had for the the lisa character was gone i was like nope i do not feel bad for you and this movie was like an hour and a half too long I think <laughs> it does just keep going and going like it's it is one of those movies and that's the thing it's it's um it's emotional hell <laughs> like that's just what this movie is that's what it says in the Rotten Tomato consensus uh I took a screenshot of it because it just kind of made me laugh um but yeah I mean he just is making you sit through emotional hell it's and it's that's how you feel while watching it I can't imagine the directing in this film because I every single scene it just it it's dramatic and then he's like okay make it 10 times more dramatic for no fucking reason like there are so many scenes where side characters would keep coming in and interjecting conversations and just like frustrating the hell out of me because i'm like okay they're trying to get to a point but they're dragging it out for utter nonsense and it just fucking pissed me off and a lot of it was just pointless like it really was like the whole deal with like this vacation that her dad was gonna bring her on that was the director by the way playing the dad um, but that oh, was—he was a terrible actor. So fucking pointless. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, so utter nonsense was this film, and it's so obvious that it was cut up in the editing room because it's just random scene, and then the scene after it has no relation, and then now all of a sudden they're in this debate class that is trying to make this film seem smarter than it is. That's why it's called Margaret because of some Shakespeare Shakespeare play. So I don't really know what I'm missing, but uh, I don't really care at the same time. <laughs> Reading some reviews on this movie, because it does have some high reviews, like fours and fives, and people do seem to totally love it. But it looks like for people who have suffered through like a, an event like this, it seems very cathartic for them. Um, we're just very thankful that we've never really had to experience something like that. But I have read, I read some review that was like, so like this movie like saved me because he witnessed something so traumatic. Um, so okay. that's, that's where I've seen some of like the most positive things about this movie. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I, I had a really hard time sitting through it. Like I, I wanted to skip over scenes. I wanted the movie to wrap up. I'm very curious to see like the Martin Scorsese cut that apparently is hailed as a masterpiece because it, it, it fixes, I guess, a lot of the problems. But uh, the motivation to ever watch that is very low. I gotta wait maybe a couple of years to ever want to go back and feel like this again. Yeah, I don't know if I'll ever want to. <laughs> like it just oh, it was it dragged, and just the confrontational scenes didn't even feel like there it was anything serious. I just couldn't take them seriously. The only redeeming quality that I thought this movie had was the very last shot because <laughs> it was over or you thought the no, shot was actually no, because good. <laughs> it was the one moment where At you the opera? actually see two characters oh. embrace and like show each other's pain where in the entire movie it was just them pitching at each other like they had no no real connection like it always felt distant except for that one scene where they they both are just looking at each other and like we're broken, but we're together and they're watching this beautiful opera. Right. That made it, I was like, well, at least, at least when the credits start rolling, I'm not completely pissed off, but it, it just, it was, it was almost unwatchable for me and just how bad it was. I don't know if that's just me being too harsh, but it just wasn't. 
wasn't my thing. No, I don't think you're being too harsh because this movie was like I felt like it was like a gut punch with no redeeming factors. Like it's just I felt awful the entire time and there was really no positivity or lessons learned or anything like that. I guess you can justify the actions of Anna Paquin's character because of her really like no support system. I mean, her brother was like non-existent. You just like playing piano or like in the modern day age, you just be playing Fortnite at his room. Her dad was off doing whatever, and her mom just didn't really give a shit about her situation. So that's why she's acting like that. But that doesn't mean her character was watchable in any way. I thought her character was fucking horrible. It's so interesting because um, the only film that I've seen from Kenneth Onergan, and Nate can back me up on this, is Manchester by the Sea. It's a phenomenal film. I I haven't gone back to watch it again, but I'm at the point where it's been a couple of years and I will watch it again. Because it is a very depressing movie. It's hard to watch, um, but... It's just phenomenally acted. There's some you. There's some actually like you care about the characters. Um, so he nailed it and knocked it out of the park with Manchester by the Sea, in my opinion. I think I was maybe even thinking this would be similar after some of the hype that I'd seen going into it. But yeah, I was very, very let down by it. But um, we don't have to keep talking about it. Nate, um, feel free just to cap it, give it a nice little little stamp yeah. of a uh, disapproval. <laughs> Yeah, I just, this movie came out of nowhere, and it had so much talent. Like, Anna Paquin's one of the youngest people to ever win an Oscar. But, like, Mark Ruffalo, Matt Damon, Allison Janney, um, even, was it Jean Reno? Matthew Broderick's yeah. in this movie. <laughs> uh, Leon the Professional and Matthew Broderick. But, like, it was just almost to the point where I could have turned it off, and I would my OCD would not have let me think twice about it and just been like, yeah, you're fine. Um, so I'm going to go one out of five. I'll give it the redeeming one because of the final shot where I was like, that. If they could have done that for the last two and a half hours, I would have been engaged. But the characters just did not connect at all to me, and so it just kind of pulled me out of the movie before anything big happened. Sometimes Mm. we just, like you said, Spencer, you threw a rock and you hoped it landed on something good, but sometimes it... uh. It just it shatters, and uh, I think that this film is just just a brutal film to get through. It's too long. It's overly dramatic. Um, it, it's just so non cohesive. Every nothing makes sense. I don't really know what they were trying to teach you. The whole like the title itself, Margaret, has something to do with again like a Shakespeare play. That's some sort of underlying message that just there's nothing to it it just it's just utter nonsense it's just really impossible to get through i'm surprised that i wanted to turn it off multiple times throughout the viewing i really really was like i really want to end this experience right now and just go to bed so i think i'm with nate i'm gonna go one out of five it's it was brutal it really sucked all right uh i am going to be a tiny little beacon and give it a two just because i i do like the i do think the acting was great all around it had a really nice ensemble even if the characters were unlikable it was just how they were directed. The actors are phen- phenomenal, and it's just a, it's a very intense story. Uh, but yeah, it's just not a movie that I'm ever really gonna want to watch again. So, anyways, I apologize. I w- thought that it was gonna be much better than it was. <laughs> On um, paper, it looks fine. She did look. She does look like a rock hitter in the face. To be completely honest, though. Let's move into uh, another film that's not really lighter in tone. Let's save that for the end. Let's move into Nate's film. Well, my film was. 1987 film called Wings of Desire from director Vim Vendors. It's about two angels that are gliding through the city of Berlin and they're kind of 
silently influencing people and hearing their thoughts and whatnot. And one of them falls in love with a mortal and decides that he would like to be human. And you kind of see how that plays out. But uh, I learned about Vim Vendors through the Criterion Collection and Paris, Texas, which I think is his best film. It's one of my favorite films ever. Um, that introduced me to him. And I know this one has gotten a lot of praise as well. He won Best Director at the Cannes Film Festival and all kinds of stuff. So, Spencer, Wings of Desire, Thoughts, Black and White 80s film. Yeah. And... Vim Benders, who I've, you know, I've exactly. loved uh, Paris, Texas. I haven't seen any of his other films, so I was very curious to check this one out. I actually had the Criterion Blu-ray of this, so I, that's the version that I got to watch. The premise was very intriguing, you know, just an angel who just kind of sweeps the sky, observes human activity, but, you know, deep down kind of wants to be human, kind of wants to feel love and pain and all that kind of stuff that we feel so that premise right there was intriguing and mixing it with uh, Vim Vendors and his filmography and his and what he's able to do with stories I definitely was interested to check this one out and while this movie is very very slow I do really enjoy this movie I thought this was very cool to watch and um, get to see finally because just some of those aerial shots and the some of the music as well, especially the scenes in the library, I was so unsettled. Mm. I did not expect to feel so like uneasy during those scenes, but like it was awesome. I thought it was really cool and clever. All right, Johnny boy. Yeah. Your rebuttal? So this isn't an argument. It was just discussion. Okay, no rebuttals to be had, Nathan. Um, although I don't think I can be nearly as positive as Spencer, although um, I do have some good things to say. So this film, black and white, but it's 80s, and it's very, very slow. It's German for the most part. They're speaking German. It takes place in Berlin. It's really not my kind of film, although I really do like the concept. I thought it was a very fascinating idea for a film. Um, almost more of a fascinating, like, I think, short story or just, like, exploration, just to think about this idea rather than watching it on the screen is something I'd almost be more interested in. But watching this kind of, like, being just really just kind of fall in love with humanity and want to experience it was a very interesting concept. I do think the film was very slow. It took a long time for me to actually, like, maybe 50, to an, 50 minutes to an hour where I was like, okay, I think I kind of am interested now, but... It did take me a while to truly accept the film for, for what it me, was. Because uh, I was with you there. That I, It took me that pretty much that long to get into it as well. But once I was able to realize, I'm like, oh, the plot doesn't really matter. Then I was like, okay, mm -hmm. now I'm more They're just observing. It. Yeah. They're that's all observing. the movie was. It's, it's just like yeah. observing scenes and stuff. It was cool. Once you realize it's not as much narrative-driven as it is character-driven. So, like, the, the story is just... Like, the story itself is just angels are out, are kind of influencing them silently. Right. Like, if they see someone in distress, they're there to give them just, like, a touch on the shoulder that just gives them this invisible sense of hope. I kind of read that somewhere. Um, and I agree, it took me a little bit to get into it because I didn't realize that all of the dialogue was 
like parts of sentences from all the different people. Yeah. And so a sentence would go on like, oh my God, look at that person over there. I have to go pick up my wife. Oh, did I just drop my wallet? I'm sitting there like. It's Bruce exactly. Almighty. And that's it's Bruce Almighty. And that, that's where I was kind of confused because it was just a bunch of people that we're not connecting with, but they're talking to us. So it made me question what was the important part. But then once we meet the two angels, Damiel and Cassiel, and you see them, the library scene is the best part of this movie because there's hardly any spoken dialogue. And it's just you see them move around, and then you start to notice all the other angels. It's the most haunting. Like, I was kind of confused. Well. Like, and they keep on like turning up and like looking at the camera, and it's like ah, like why? And they're just like leaning <laughs> over people and like observing what they're doing. They get up off the seat right as someone sits down. Like it was so weird, but I was like so like more of this. This is cool. Yeah, because and I didn't expect it. I was like, oh my god, are there some people that can see them? And then it clicked when I saw that they had their hair in ponytails. I was like, ah, she's an angel too. Yeah, no, I totally, yeah, because this movie is, it's kind of like a weird celebration of life, joy, pain, suffering. It's just like, it's just From celebrating a strange humanity. But yeah, with a very mm-hmm. strange perspective. Like, yeah. there was one powerful scene too, it was, the, uh, it was the jumper on top of the roof. And the other angels yeah. kind of mm-hmm. like sitting with them and stuff, and he just he couldn't save them. Nine, was, yeah, exactly. He screams yeah, nine. Yeah, that was that and hit then, me like I was like, oh my god. And then it has like a hard cut to like um, present day, and it's in color. And like I love that aspect mm-hmm. too. It's like when it's in color, you're seeing it from the human perspective. When it's in black and white, you're from the angel's perspective. And the the way yeah. the the visual language of the film is so interesting that way too, with the aerial photography as well. Like how clumsy it was. Like it it felt like an angel like soaring through the skies. Like it it deliberately mm-hmm. felt like very clumsy. So I yeah. found a lot to it that I did like. But yeah, I mean the pacing was like the biggest gripe. Like it and for me it was in the third act when I was just like. Like I, uh, I don't know. I was just kind of so, want to wrap up a little bit. For me, I'm a little bit different. Like, I think that with with the angels who are pretty much carrying the film, because what they're observing is just kind of what you're observing. You're not really like learning a lot about these people, and the angels are sort of emotionless. So I couldn't really connect them, connect with them, other than just being interested with like their existence and what they're seeing. I thought that that was cool, but like as a as a character. I couldn't really connect with them until the third act, which is when he's sort of becoming human and stuff. I would have liked if they did that way earlier in the movie. And then you really watch like this whole storyline of him, like seeing what being human is like and falling in love and stuff like that. I got a movie for you, John. I got a fucking movie (laughs) for you. It's called City of Angels. Okay. It's the same concept. Angels watching over, I think, New York or Chicago. And guess who is the angel? Robin Williams, Billy Crystal, it's Nicolas Cage. Oh fuck! And it's, yeah. it's a full-on romance go. movie because he falls in love and wants to be human. Uh, and so, dude, it's almost that's like what I wanted this movie to be. But this watch is, City you know, of Angels. German... I promise you, and the right, ending will make you laugh out <laughs> fucking loud. I promise. Yeah, I won't spoil it, but yes. Once we met the trapeze artist, I was hooked because it gave our main characters someone to latch on to. And kind of follow throughout and you see her progression and how she's like, oh, once the circus is over, where am I going to go? And so that hope for humanity is always kind of lingering 
Um, and I thought that was kind of reassuring, especially in our times now where humanity seems to be kind of pushed to their breaking point. Seeing this kind of hopefulness, the last time I felt like this type of hope for life was for during being there, where he just, Peter Sellers' character just is all just happy with life and he's just all good. You see this character just, he drops down and he has to do what he has to do in order to feel what it's like to be a human. And the whole Peter Falk storyline, you get to see someone who's going through the same thing that the main character is going through. That was a really interesting it, part of the movie. Yeah, so I know you're talking yeah, about I can't see you. I love that scene. That was really, my favorite scene was him was the one with the hats. I love that scene when she's like trying mm -hmm. to give him a hat. He's like, no, no, you'd wear that to a wedding. No, I don't like that. Uh, no, let's get that. And the, and the angels in the back, like kind of snickering, like this is really funny. So I, mm -hmm. I don't know. That was one of the, I don't know, the scenes and that actually brought a smile to my face. That's I another like that one. <laughs> uh, thing I liked about it too. Like the camaraderie between the two angels. I like they, they just go to the car uh, dealership. They both sit in the car and just watch people. Uh, they go, mm -hmm. he's like, hey, I want you to come <laughs> to the circus and watch this performance with me. And he goes and starts like laughing at like the stuff that's happening. Um, and that's the other thing. The trapeze artist uh, performance, she's fantastic in terms of like the trapeze stuff. Like that was that does not look easy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, you need no, legitimate talent not. to do that. And there's like her, five minute sequences uh, of strength. just her performance <laughs> in this movie. So you're, it's you know they're highlighting it on purpose. But I didn't expect her to go to like this weird emo goth concert. That I was track. sitting there watching that. Like, is that what? clubs are like in berlin during this time that reminds me of your gripe with lost in translation where they were all they sang karaoke for like yeah. the entirety of the it's song one too that, many that's karaoke what, scenes yeah i was like okay yeah. let's just come on like i get it they're not even talking they're just it's just <laughs> this, a really annoying yeah. like heavy metal song that i don't care about but it was just it gave him the opportunity to like watch her from afar and kind of learn about who she is but i want to propose something to you yes do please. you think that she was an angel once did that ever cross your mind that she could have possibly been an angel and that's why they were attracted to each other well i didn't but the ending their end conversation like the last thing that they were when they were talking that was so mm -hmm. ominous like some, something like was they knew each other it. yeah exactly yeah. So I, I get it, but no, it never did cross my mind, I guess. But there also, was something the film there. says to be continued at the end. Yeah, that was interesting. Um, mm -hmm. So, like, Watch what that. is that alluding to? <laughs> yeah, maybe that's a sequel. Nicolas Cage. Yeah. I promise you. No, that's, I, I just thought to be continued. I'm like, and that, what do you mean? Like, I mean, yeah, I guess there's a lot that could happen after that, but because we're kind of seeing like the beginnings of a whole new journey for this character, you know? So, sure. It's, yeah, basically, like, this is my view of the human condition. What's next? After you see these two characters kind of succeed, what's next for angels? What's next for anything in this movie? It could be just to be continued. That's what life is. It's just continuing. Just the concept of angels and, like, that kids could see them. Yeah. Like, they'd all be looking up and they'd be like, oh, look. And so it had that cool dynamic. Yeah, I it's a really, really cool concept. And I think that's the biggest sort of positive I can say about the movie because they do do a really interesting job of exploring that. They do do a good job. With this stuff. They do do a good job at it. <laughs> um, it is. And uh, there are some fun storylines in there. 
Um, I, however, I do, and use of the cinematography, I really love how they change from black and white to color. Like, that is a good use of black and white and color, or just black and white in general. I thought that was really, really interesting in how they did that. So, yeah, overall, the film is good, but it was just, it was just a little too slow. It took too long to get going, and by the time it got to the part that I was actually interested in, the film pretty much ends. So, um, I'm gonna go, I'll go three out of five. Three out of five. It's definitely a, it's a good movie. But just, again, not my wheelhouse. I mean, I'm not too far away. I'm going three and a half out of five. I think maybe on another watch, it could go up a little higher. Because the more that I've thought about it, it's been a couple of days, the more I have enjoyed it or liked it, the more I think about it. But no, I mean, I definitely appreciated the messages that Vim Vendors was going for. I mean, he was just exploring humanity, life pain sadness loneliness all that kind of stuff it was it was interesting and it was done in a very unique way that i kind of appreciated so i am gonna go three and a half out of five that's a little lower than maybe i was when i was talking about it but um i definitely want to watch it again it could be a lot higher so yeah Okay, well, I'm going to match your three and a half out of five, because I agree, it did take me a little bit to get into the story, and then, like I explained, I was unsure of all the dialogue, and I'm like, who am I supposed to be listening to here? Who am I supposed to be following? But then once you start to learn more about the angels and how one of them is starting to think that they would like to become human, that it it's reassuring, and it makes you kind of open your eyes to what how fortunate we really are. Um, and then that ending, it kind of left it open for me. I kind of sat there and I was like, I feel like she was once an angel. And that just kind of came off the top of my head. And I was like, that could be a funny little possibility. But I did enjoy this movie once I finally got into it and started to understand. So I'm matching Spencer's three and a half out of five. Definitely one on a rewatch could definitely go up a couple grades and say. I'll probably have to buy it on like on a rewatch have to buy it on criteria now. Like even just even me, like I feel like a rewatch I would genuinely appreciate this film more. Because I the concept I really, really like. I think it's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I, I I'm glad. I'm glad we watched it. Cool. Well, that was uh, Wings of Desire, Vim Benders, 1987, on HBO Max. It's on Criterion Channel. Do you know what's um, also on HBO Max, though, that we watched this week? What? That would be the 1978 Superman. From a doomed planet in a distant galaxy to a fantastic underground hideaway. From the fortress of solitude to the bustling city room of the Daily Planet. Look, up on the screen, it's Superman. Superman, the movie. But yeah, we watched the 1978 Superman with Christopher Reeves, Margot Kidder, and Gene Hackman. Um, Christopher Reeves was not mentioned in the opening title sequence. I thought that was so interesting since he plays Superman. Anyways... An alien orphan is sent from his dying planet, as if you don't know the fucking story of Superman, uh, to Earth, <laughs> where he grows up to become his adoptive home's first and greatest superhero. 94% critical rating, 86 audience, 7.3 on IMDb, 3.9 out of 5 on Letterboxd, and has three Oscar nominations. Yeah, I've never seen this movie. I've always wanted to check out, like, kind of the original, you know, superhero films, and this is definitely one of them. I've always heard Superman 2 is, like, the better one maybe um and that quest for peace is just got awful also a little margaret syndrome with superman 2 so superman 2 
has a release, a theatrical cut, and it also has the Richard Donner cut, which is oh, apparently it has a whole separate IMDb credit as well. Superman two, the Richard Donner cut, and it's got like a seven point six, and then Superman two has like a six point three. So I guess it's a lot better. Well, interesting. Well, yeah, and wow. this is always just one I wanted to check out. It is nothing like the movies that we are used to in terms of superhero films. Um, it's basically like a a seventies TV show, but uh, Nate. Give me your thoughts on Superman. I enjoyed the hell out of this movie. I could completely overlook the cheesy flying and all that stuff. I get it. It was the 70s. They were limited. But this movie did so many things right that they took the time to get you to like um, Clark Kent. They showed him as a baby just picking up the truck. They showed him as a high school kid and when he was like, oh, I just ran here. Just all these little things and the way he helps out his family and how he cares. And and then once you finally meet Christopher Reeves, Clark Kent, he's so much goofier than I was expecting. I didn't realize he was that much of kind of a dunce. Just like, oh, uh... Hi, Mrs. Lane. Uh, oh, okay. And he gets like the door shut in his face or something like that. I didn't expect it to be that funny. The relationship between Margot Kidder and uh, Christopher Reeve was just awesome. I It was way better than I was expecting it to be. What about you, Spencer? What about what were your thoughts on the Superman from 1978? I'm going to hop in Nate's boat. This movie is just a blast. And yeah, I mean, you got to understand this is from the 70s and we all haven't seen it. We're all, we've all seen, obviously, the Zack Snyder Man of Steel and, the, the you know, the amazing visual effects that we're used to and accustomed to. But this movie is just fucking awesome. I mean, the first seven minutes is just nothing but John Williams score and title text. And, like, I was in. Like, I like, could have kept watching more of it. Like, I was just like, this movie is already off to a great start. And, like, the whole you know, cheesy, like, sci-fi-y, like, uh, Planet of the Krypton stuff with Marlon Brando. Yeah, and Terrence Marlon Stamp Brando, as a, a that was great. As General that Zod. Was... I was like, oh my god, this is just iconic. Like, no wonder this movie has the status that it has. And then, you know, all the stuff that happens back at Earth with Superman. And, yeah, I mean, this movie is just a total blast. And, it, and I, yeah, you don't need to... Yeah, I, I think anyone could have still enjoyed this movie to this day. If you just like movies in general and kind of just like mainstream cinema and just kind of seeing where things started, um, if you like this character, this is the quintessential film. Like everyone knows about Christopher Reeves. They know that he like is the original Superman. If I think of Superman, I'm going to think of Christopher Reeves. I'm not going to think of Henry Cavill because it's just like it's really iconic. Yes, it's campy. Yes, it's it's cheesy. He saves a cat out of a tree. Like, are you fucking kidding <laughs> it's so me? so funny. I'm like... But like, in he it, that that whole night where he's just like, yeah, I'm Superman. All of a sudden, he's like, I'm gonna start saving everybody. Everything that could possibly go wrong on a grand or small scale, he's there to save the fucking day. And it was just entertaining as hell. It really was. So I, what can I say? Even was, the stuff so fun. with Gene Hackman was, <laughs> he was so entertaining as well as Lex Luthor because I I was yeah. kind of expecting a brooding Lex Luthor because it's all we fucking have gotten so far. But he's just a fucking goofball and like he's like falling off ladders in the With library stupid sidekick he's and like, stuff yeah he's got a stupid clumsy sidekick and they're just doing these like ridiculous ridiculous heists on like the side of the roads and like oh my god this is so fun and hilarious his 
his evil plan was yeah so stupid yeah i'm <laughs> gonna take California. a few nukes and blow up like the east coast or no i'm sorry the west, west coast, coast and yeah. make california fall into the ocean so that way i have a bunch of oceanside property it was like this is absurd this is like you know how much it would like you would need multiple meteors to even make that a possibility nukes are not going to do that but i don't care this is fucking amazing <laughs> like and I just I thought it was funny that when there's a missile on the back of a truck, no one even thinks to guard it oh, of course while not. they're doing this road <laughs> altercation. <laughs> no, they just the guy just crawls underneath it, fixes it, and then he looks on his arm and he goes, Oh, what was that number? And they have to go back <laughs> yeah, like and do it again. Like where are they stashing all of these military vehicles? They first they have one outfit and then they're in an ambulance, then they're in a truck. I'm like, what? But the whole thing with the Hoover Dam and the miniatures, yeah. that was really cool because it was obviously 100%. miniatures, but if you can get if you can get past young Clark Kent running <laughs> next was, to that train, that so then you can though. probably be okay with the miniatures was... because it looked like a TikTok edit or something of putting somebody like in Were front of the train as it ran. But how they killed off his dad? Because I'm going like, okay, where's the tornado? No, 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 no. I actually was more disappointed <laughs> no. seeing how that happened in no. Man Steel. I think that's just kind of stupid. Yeah. Uh, I, the heart well, attack seemed more dramatic. Real. That seemed just yeah. like a, something that could actually fucking happen and has happened to people. It's just it happens. It shows mortality in this story that is essentially no yeah. mortality it gives him a purpose to do what he does i was gonna say i i also echo nate's point about how i did not expect uh christopher reeve's interpretation of clark kent to be such like a wimpy like quirky weird kind of dude like he was so goofy to the point where he was almost like cringy i'm like dude calm down but i loved it so much because he, he was obviously playing it up and i actually had the disconnect of like okay i could see how people would be like oh no that's just clark Kent, and oh that's superman like there is like a distinct it actually difference. makes sense like it's more than the glasses because yeah. like you see how he conducts himself as change. superman like you would not be like are you the guy from my office? Like, <laughs> like so, it, it, yeah, I, I guess, sure, you could make the argument that there's no way they could easily make that connection. He just did very widely make it different, which I was thought was pretty interesting. Because with Henry Cavill, yeah. it's just like, okay, it's fucking Henry Cavill with no glasses on. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. His no, interpretation of Clark I don't think Kent Henry Cavill like has the acting range to be goofy like that. I don't know. And when it's Clark Kent, he's his shirts are still like popping the buttons, and he's still just like yeah. this part, Clark Kent. Christopher Reeves looks like, like I just dude. jumped into a Superman outfit and pretended to be Superman because there's no muscle tone whatsoever. Oh, dude, what are and you talking you, if, about? But like he is no, no, he, well, oh, he's not fucking seventies. Yeah, David Prowse, the Darth Vader uh, actor, was the trainer for Christopher Reeve, and no, I, I'd well, say he's in. He's a fucking. But built throughout dude. four films, if you watch any of these trailers, which by the way, these seventies trailers are hilarious. He gains zero muscle tone throughout oh, all yeah. four movies. He looks the outfit does not change at all. It's just like they just fucking run with it. And it's actually really funny. They did a great job at at cutting from when he's Superman to when he's Clark Kent. Like when he drops Lois off after their their night flight. He flies around the building. The camera just pans over to the door, and he's Clark. Yeah. Like Lois, you didn't hear me knocking on the door. Like we that had a date. <laughs> I'm like, he, I could imagine like Christopher Reeves on a wire, 
getting slung around the building to the front door and then just vigorously taking off the suit and being like, Lois, you didn't answer the door. That was another aspect. <laughs> like, come on, we have a date. And she's like, that was another smitten. aspect of the film that I didn't expect, but obviously it was very hyped and acclaimed is just the Superman and Lois, like their relationship. Uh, I, I loved it in this movie. I thought Margaret Kidder did a great job as well uh, as Lois Lane. Like she was just this like pompous, like journalist. I thought she was hilarious at times. You can't um, spell. Yeah. You can't spell for some reason. I thought that that was like, there was, there were random scenes where people would, no, they no yeah, that, and then you like, rapist only has one P. I was yeah, like, yeah, that was one okay, what well. the fuck? <laughs> yeah. And she's all over the road trying to drive while interviewing some guy. And I'm just like, okay. Yeah. It's like, what are you doing? You're fucking insane. But there were yeah. so many funny scenes with Superman, too, where he was like, uh, oh, uh, she was like, what color are my underwear? And, he, and then he's like, I don't know. She's like, oh, you can't see through lead? And then she walks farther away and he's like, pink. <laughs> and like, where, pink. dude? This, like, like, this guy is like, he's so charming. It's so funny. She looks at him everything goes, that was in my purse. Well, lucky guess. Do you like pink? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's just a, a, such a um, interesting and non-conventional, I guess, in terms of like how we see movies now, interpretation of a superhero that like you cannot hate on something like this. It's just so insanely entertaining, and it makes me want to go back and watch like the Adam West Batman like TV series or something like that, just to see how campy and fun it was. Because people don't make stuff like this anymore; they really don't. Uh, Spencer, what would be your final thoughts and grade for Superman nineteen seventy eight? Uh, I am going to go four out of five. I thought this one was just a ton of fun. I would be very happy to continue on and watch, you know, Superman two, the Richard Donner cut. And I'd even watch Superman three for shits and gigs. Um, I think there is a fourth as well. That's even worse. Um, so Superman two quest for peace. I think it looks kind of fun. Mm -hmm. Superman three and four look God awful. Yeah. Terrible. Like, I would so just, I, I don't know, maybe like a late maybe night or something, I'd check those out. I don't really have too much interest in, I guess, those. But yeah, I'd be very curious to check out the, the second one. I guess they were both shot back-to-back or, you know, simultaneously. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, this one was just a ton of fun. I'm very happy that I finally have seen it so I can finally make all the, you know, the connections and references that I've missed. And um, like Superman Returns, remember that 2006 movie? Do you ever see that one? Like, it's almost a shot-for-shot shot remake at times. Um, but I never saw it, but I okay. know of it, yeah. Uh, it's not as good, but... This one's four out of five. It's a great film. Cool. Sweet. I'm going to beat you on this one. I'm going four and a half out of five because this, this movie was a blast. Like I wish I watched this back when it came out in 1977 or 78, whatnot, because I can imagine what those kids felt when they saw Superman for the first time, like the first big screen idol that kids could look up to and kind of used to represent like their hero um and it was really cool to see that and like spencer said being able to connect all the references now like everything with him not being able to see through lead and just the cheesy missile flying around and like it's going in a straight line but it's somehow avoiding all the mountains and everything and it goes down and like the logic isn't there but it doesn't need to be because it's fucking Superman. So, like, that's all I can really say is it's Superman and this is... I liked it way better than Man of Steel. I don't know why, if it was just the campy 70s aspect of it, but it's it, it earns the four and a half just because I it flew by. 
that, so to speak, flew by. Yes, I will agree with you. I'm glad that I finally got a chance to watch this movie. It's very campy. It's very 70s. It seems like an extension of a TV show, but it is an insanely good time. It's so entertaining. Uh, it definitely goes to levels I didn't expect, like especially the scene where he's literally holding the San Andreas fault together and re-like fusing it after the world is breaking up. I'm like, mm-hmm. what? Like, who the fuck thought of this? Like, this is not what I expected from this movie. And even the visuals of that was like pretty, pretty good. As he's like in the mantle of the, the footage. footage. Oh universe. yeah, and that too. When he's literally bringing time back to save Lois. I'm like, this is so entertaining. It makes no sense. But like, this is Superman in a nutshell. If you really break it down to like, right from a comic book, this is exactly what it would be. Um, so great job. I really think that they they did a, a really good job with this film. Superhero movies will never be like this again, so why not go back and enjoy it uh, in this way? I'm going to go four out of five. It's very, very good. All right. Well, yeah, those were all the films we watched this week, an HBO Max exclusive episode. So if you guys want to go and watch Superman, Margaret, or Winds of Desire, if you have an HBO Max subscription, you can go and check those out. But this brings us to the point where we're going to announce our new polls that you guys can go and vote on right now. If you're listening to this episode, you could probably go to our Instagram stories right now and help choose what we're going to end up watching. Uh, we don't know our picks. We're going to you know, find out right now, right here. So, John, what yes, that's me. is your poll for this week? So, in honor of my mother visiting me this week, it is going to be 80s rom-com week. We are going to be watching either... John Cusack's, directed by Cameron Crowe, Say Anything from 1989, or John Hughes, 1988, She's Having a Baby with Kevin Bacon and Alec Baldwin. So go ahead and choose which film you want us to watch. Okay. Interesting. Nate, what uh, what are, what are your picks this week? First film is a uh, Meryl Street and I believe Kevin Bacon film, uh, The River Wild. I saw it on HBO Max, and it sounds like a fun adventure film. Um, and that will be going up against an acting duo powerhouse of a film called The Lion in Winter. Uh has Catherine Hepburn, Peter O'Toole, 1968. Um, it kind of has a Game of Thrones vibe to it. So those are the two films, and I hope you guys enjoy voting on them. All right, interesting picks. Uh, my poll for you guys to go and vote on uh two very different movies but two movies that i've always kind of wanted to check out the first one is a classic i hope you guys haven't seen it um not a classic but it's just uh, i heard it's a it's a fun western it's called tombstone it's got an, an ensemble oh, shit. cast I wanted to see that forever really okay val yeah. kilmer kurt russell um a bunch of other people i heard it's a very fun western film and the other film that I'm going to put it up against is a uh, movie that is very different, but it's another film that I've wanted to see. It's called The Wind Rises, 2013. Okay, oh, so that is one I'm making my way through the Studio Ghibli collection. Uh, recently just watched The Secret World of Ariadne, so trying to keep going. So that is uh, the one I'm going to put up against. We'll vote on our polls on Saturday or Sunday, whenever they end up making it on the gram, and choose which movie you want us to watch. Yeah, but two weeks uh, from now. But John, what uh, we're not. What are we watching this week for uh, for new releases? Anything oh, coming for out? New releases on mainstream boys, Nate. You can tune out right here. But we do have the Tom Holland Apple TV Plus original, technically because it's been in theaters already. Uh, film Cherry. So uh, that should be fun. 
Come down to Mainstream Boy, grab a big bucket of popcorn, a nice cold cherry Coke, maybe some snow caps. What in the hell? Oh, you already watched I it. I got some notes on that fucking movie. But yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, I have one question for you, and I don't think it's a spoiler. Are there any actual cherries involved? You'll see why it's called cherry. You'll see. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. Come down to Mainstream Boys. Cherry, Mondays. Awesome. And uh, Nate, what's the other show that we got going on? Oh, well, you know, uh, every Wednesday we come out with a new episode of Collector's Corner where we do a deep dive into our physical media collections. And I'm just going to stand on the end of that diving board, do a leap of faith, and let's see which one ends up in the butt crack. But Well, it's a breakfast club, but yeah. Oh, well, okay. I guess I, guess I don't have to announce it. We're doing the bre- be- breakfast club next. So, yeah. Great. Thanks, John. So Appreciate get your waffles that, yeah. ready, grab a big bucket of fucking orange juice, and let's go. Fantastic. Yep. Make sure you subscribe to Those Movie Dudes wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes every single week. Thank you for listening. Go vote in our polls. Toodles for me. Thanks for listening to another episode of the TMD Podcast Show. If those new films sound interesting to you, go to our Instagram stories at Those Movie Dudes right now and vote and help decide on what films we talk about for the following episode. Once again, this show is bi-weekly now, so the next episode will release Saturday, March 27th, 2021. A special shout-out thank you to Moviethon for always being a beacon of light in a dark and depressing world. We appreciate you. Hey, John. <laughs>